This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald. I'm Ramia Amadin, and this is Kelly and Ramia. Want to alert you, ladies and gentlemen, to the polls, folks. Catch the polls this Saturday and Sunday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific. This week on the program, Joita speaks to Carly Friedman of the University of Washington about disability and intimacy. That's the pulse this Saturday and Sunday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific on AMI Audio. You can also find it as a podcast on your favorite podcast platform and over there on YouTube. Check out the pulse at your convenience. Kelly McDonald here with Ramya Muthan. We have our app update now. Let's bring on John Beeler to talk a little tech. Hi, I'm John Beeler, technology expert from Vancouver. Join me on Kelly and Ramya, where I share the latest app, mobile, and tech news. Everything from accessibility and product launches to privacy and security. We'll cover the gamut. John, where there's tech, there's good and evil. So let's get into this first one. Um, <laughs> Microsoft and OpenAI is saying that hackers are using chat GPT to improve cyber attacks. So tell us what's going on. Is there any surprise that hackers would take advantage oh, of I'm shocked. these tools? Oh, I'm shocked. Wow, yeah, my naivety says, really, John? How, how the heck? Who would be so, you know, The uh, villains nasty? got a hold of the tools? Yeah. Oh, no. Oh, my yeah. gosh. Mm -hmm. So what's interesting in this particular case is that they're using uh, these language model AI tools to help with their scripting attacks. But they're also using it to do research on various systems that they want to attack. So think about every type of thing that you would have in a business, like a, like a router, a firewall, various computer systems, and all those types of things are very well documented. And so now you can actually just talk to the AI and say, hey, I want to compromise this system. I'm paraphrasing the kind of prompts you would actually use. Um, and, and essentially, these tools have an intimate knowledge of how to code for those platforms and how to use um, certain things that maybe aren't meant to be used in a certain way. So they're finding exploits with these tools. They're uh, very easily running scripting tools that can do very complex things like go into a system, copy all the files, and leave a malware behind, that Ooh. type of thing. Wow, yeah. that's amazing. So, John, I mean, when when this stuff has been devised, we've obviously, I mean, those who are the creators obviously understand how far this thing could go to some degree. I know for a lot of us, we start, oh, my God, that's a problem. Oh, as if no one could have predicted this capability. Obviously, the... the you know, we, there's many of us out there, yourself, you have, I'm sure, many visions of things you can see happening. Is it what we just have to go through? I mean, we sit here saying, can't they prevent this? Can't they prevent that? But there has to be prior knowledge that some of these things are going to happen, other things that are really scary that we probably haven't seen yet. And I guess it's kind of like, hey, we created a, a, a vehicle. So in the meanwhile, as we get used to it, there's going to be a lot of death through accidents. Yeah, the challenge with this particular sort of use case is that um, 
OpenAI and Microsoft, they can certainly shut off those accounts that are, you know, doing those weird prompts that clearly right. look like they're trying to do something nefarious. But the reality is, is that these systems can be downloaded to your computer and you can run them without having to go through a third party like OpenAI. Mm. Uh, and you can train them on all the manuals to how to hack a router, you know, those types of things. So, you know, the the cat's out of the bag, so to speak. So, um, but what's interesting that Microsoft has said is that um, while they're doing everything they can to stop and, you know, um, prevent these accounts from existing uh limit the amount of knowledge they can glean from these types of things. It's also important to point out that in a lot of cases, hackers take advantage of very poorly created protocols or uh, products and services that you would be using. And it, ex it helps to expose the, the shortcomings and the right. security or the lack of security in some of these things. So on the one hand, they're saying it's bad, we're trying to stop it, but also it's good to put this out in the open so people can actually see that maybe this thing isn't the greatest thing since sliced bread and you may, maybe need to add a better password to it, those types of things. To it meaning not um, uh, ChatGPT, right? Like not the AI. We're talking about the products or the programs that people are putting out there that can be hacked. Yeah, because mm -hmm. the AI is just using whatever is published publicly about these uh, products and yep. services and uh, protocols. And so if it's publicly available knowledge, then it's just a matter of time before these tools will get full knowledge yep. of it. And and so it, it makes sense to put this out in the open. Now, when I say these things are publicly notified or publicly available, there's maybe one server, you know, in some university, God knows where, that has this information. Well, the AI tools right. can find yep. those things much better than most things. And of course, like we're wow. moving more towards open source everything, right? Where everyone can get a hold of code and help uh, navigate. Um, and I'm wondering, you know, what is the solution for this kind of thing? Is there a solution? Is there some direction we can head to to get ahead of the hackers? Because I personally don't think so. Like something like ChatGPT or any kind of similar situation where we're just prompting a program to help us, um, you can use it for to the best of its capability and continue working on it to make sure that it gets better and better. It's like the yeah, growing pains. It, it, it's whack-a-mole. I mean, th this yeah. is no different. The only difference now is that hackers have a much speedier way of getting the exactly. code written. Yep. Um, but also in the same token, the security defenders in this case um, have the same tools to defend themselves. Exactly. So, yeah, and are we okay. going to start censoring, you know, ChatGPT to find uh, to make sure you know you can get on, but you can't based on what you're I, trying to do? I think I what John know. said was so correct, right, John? Because like I said, it's the growing, but we need to find this stuff, and I think it'll always be this way, and probably is in similar mm. other areas of of business, you yeah. know, what, what, and, and creation in our society. Can be dangerous, and I think that that's what I'm concerned about in how well, we're going to deal with it. I think you find yeah. that in every industry. They really do, exactly. and, and you know. Uh, sir, uh, your second topic, Wiz camera glitch let 13,000 owners see other feeds. Whoops. Yeah, speaking of uh, poorly coded systems, uh -huh. um, <laughs> this, this is actually really a concern. Um, on the one hand, Wise cameras, um, they're some of the most affordable security cameras you can buy. So if you have property or a house that you want to protect. They have some great products. They have flood cams. They have all these different things. Um, and 
the fact is they had a major outage um, because of their internet provider, which in this case was Amazon's AWS service, went down. And then when they came back up, when they flipped the switch, they tried to turn on way too many accounts at the same time because everyone was kind of like, well, what is my account back? And so everyone's accessing it effectively giving this server a denial of service attack by all the, the cameras that are coming back online. And they have this caching system that allows them to sort of um, manage the load and it got overwhelmed and it got confused and it started serving up different people. Um, oh my not their own gosh. Account information. So you could see into someone's house. You could look at the events that were recorded in the cloud. Uh, apparently, this only affected um, uh, 99.75% of the accounts weren't affected. It was a very small portion of the accounts were affected. Somewhere in the range of 13,000 users um, were, were affected. And it was also for a very brief moment in time. Um, but it's still a major breach. And yep. it also dramatically reduces the amount of trust that people have in these cameras. I think we talked about it quite a while ago on this program because they had a similar problem as well where their version one of their cameras was not able to be updated to prevent a uh, a major flaw in, I think, the, the chip that was used to give it internet access. And so these older cameras could easily be exploited and there was no fix and they were very silent on the matter for quite a while. Um, and I was really hoping that they were going to sort of turn around and fix this, but this also just makes it really difficult for me to recommend wise cameras. And I love the cameras. I love the technology. Mm. It's so great and it's really inexpensive. It's priced the way it should be, you know, and they have free options and they have subscription options. So you have your choice depending on your needs, but it's also really hard to put these cameras in a place of concern, like a, as using it as a baby monitor, for example. Right. You wouldn't want a random person being able to see your baby's oh my uh, video live feed. Well, what's, what I think terrifies me initially is that um, internet going down is such a basic problem. Like anyone and at any time and any company, you know, any internet provider can go down. Like we've seen all kinds of outages on all different levels of it as well. And then the default thing that happens is it starts spitting out random people's feeds to other random people. Like that seems like a, a huge oversight. Yeah, they, they've since said, come out and said that this was due to a fairly recent addition to their sort of third party provider workflow that these accounts flow through for verification and for routing. And they've since said that they've turned off that functionality and they've also made it very um, much stronger in um, protection for verification of the fact that you have the right account. Now, what this means is you might actually spend a little bit longer time authenticating into your app, but at least you, yeah. you should feel a little bit better that it's, it's all security anyways, out. like it's yeah. security based. So we shouldn't complain about <clears throat> the security that it takes to get into our security stuff. But um, do you think that there is any other way to deal with this, John, or is it just like a, oh, wow, we could not have seen this kind of thing coming and have to uh, troubleshoot as you go? It, I, I'm not an expert in, in large networking infrastructures, but I can only imagine the nightmare that this is because it's very difficult to test these scenarios That's what I'm saying. until it's actually in the real world. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, like this kind of scenario seems like, oh, we couldn't have really seen this happen, <laughs> which is kind of scary. Uh, real yep. quick before we go, Apple says the iPhone 15's battery has doubled the promised battery lifespan. Really? Yeah, this is pretty cool. Um, up yeah. until the iPhone 15, uh, you could expect about 500 charge cycles. That's, you know, depleting the phone and then charging it up again. Yeah. And essentially an overnight charge. Um, and you would get 500 cycles before your battery would decrease down to 80% of its capacity. And now they basically doubled that estimate to be a thousand cycles. Uh, and we think about it, you know, that's that's multiple years before you're going to see any significant decline in your battery. Right. Um, so, you know, again, assuming you charge once a day, uh, at, usually overnight, Apple has said that this is uh, not because of any new hardware or any real new software, but it's just because of the, the choices that they've made with their battery systems and also the uh, battery management system that's in, built into iOS uh, 17 and, and, and newer. Um, so, and I actually just checked my phone. They, they've sort of moved where this battery information is in your phone, but if you go under the battery thing, you can actually go to battery health, and it'll show you how many cycles you've had. It'll show you when you your phone was manufactured and when you started using it. And then it also wow. shows you uh, what your estimated um, charge capacity is. I got my phone in September. It was apparently built in July. And I've used 104 cycles since then, which, oh. is, which is roughly one, one a day since when I got it. And I'm only at 98% of my capacity. So I've only gone down 2% in a very small amount or, you know, a fairly short amount of time. Right. Um, in a year or two, let's see how this plays out because you know this is some real world testing that apple has done to sort of confirm that this is the case without having you know to do anything with your iphone yeah. 15 or, right. or newer it's more about the yeah, communication because if it goes, yeah and if you go down to 96 in like by september when you got it last year if you like you're thinking of all the years we all by the time you you even remotely get closer to that 80 percent you're onto another phone anyway. Yeah, and battery's a big complaint anyway, so it's kind of nice that we're we're able to communicate or they're communicating with us pretty transparently and then we can say, we can feedback that in a, a pretty real capacity, attainable way. Yes. Okay, cool, John. Thank you so much. We'll chat with you next week. Sounds good. Take care. John Beeler, he joins us for our app update. That's every Friday, and that's how we bookend our tech talks. On Monday, Michael Babcock joins us to start off the week with more tech. Kind of interesting because you think so much of how long can my battery last before you get to that charge because you don't complaint. and we charge overnight because oh I don't want to be stuck in the middle of the day yeah, finding yeah. oh I got twenty percent well, you know what am I going to do it but to think about that I, we very seldom do on on the how long would this battery until you you take the phone out and are just using it maybe mm -hmm. as a you know, a backup or using it as, you know, some device to play stuff on or watch stuff on. So well, interesting. Well, it keeps us um, on track with our habits of charging as well, right? To know how yeah. often you're charging and how much you're depleting your own battery life. Well, and, and I like the fact, too, that it gives us a lot more prompts because we certainly overcharge things all the time, sure. plugging them in when we don't need to due to our own fears. Up next, folks, on the program, The Buzz, folks, Mark Phoenix, he joins us. He's going to be telling us about brainwave-powered tech that is giving kids the ability to play. In a moment, right here on Kelly and Ramya. Keep it here for more of Kelly and Ramya on AMI-tv.
Hi, I'm Ramia Amuthan. Join me weekly for AMI Audiobook Review, the podcast that explores new titles, introduces us to famous narrators, and updates what's hot at the Center for Equitable Library Access. Download episodes of AMI Audiobook Review from your favorite podcast provider.